As soon as I saw the episode title, I was like, who's going to say it? Who's going to say it? You're listening to that blessed and highly flavored podcast. It's only because a nigga blessed. Welcome back to Black Hole Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for the finale episode of The Leftovers, Season 2, Episode 10, I Live Here Now. This episode was written by Damon Lindelof and Tom Perota and directed by Mimi Leader. Episode premiered December 6th of 2015, and I gave this one a 9.6 out of 10. I like the previous penultimate episode better. This one did everything perfectly. It was just a few things that, for my particular taste on how I was viewing things, uh, or how I just felt I know some biases in there is basically what I'm trying to say. (laughs) But, um, you know, a few things that didn't work for me probably worked really well for others. And that's fair. That's what everyone's opinion is about. It's not about, hey, why didn't I see it the way you saw it? It's, no, this is how you saw it. And this is how I interpret it and how it made me feel based on my own particular experiences, so on and so forth. But it was a really great episode. Had a lot of things tie up. I think the series is stellar. Season one or season two, definitely better than season one. And season two highlighted and gave more depth to season one that doing a rewatch, I probably would enjoy 10 times better understanding much more where the points were trying to be made. But also there was a different tone to this season than the first season. The first had one tone only. It sucks. (laughs) I mean, the morose pace of that season and everyone's mindset it was just too dense a little too dense and this season gave variety the soundtrack was just on point loved everything about it and i now am beginning to understand why people say this is one of the best series out there a few people say that i'm not sure if a lot of people but some that i respect This episode opens with the girls showing up, the two friends of Evie's, showing up and blasting their hip-hop music like renegades. We go back to that night, Evie gets into the car, and she turns off the radio with a very meaningful look at one of her friends. And then when the other girl starts to cry, Evie gets really close to her, dries her tears, and writes down don't staring at both in the rearview mirror which was an amazing shot with that menacing stare for someone who was so rarely in the season evie has a presence and her story is so told through the other characters it's just really really well done how they portrayed why this 
child would choose the actions in which she took and it is a long deep-seated painful secret within the um gar not garvey i want to say griffin because it's not erica griffin i know this but i have a friend named erica and so i always want to say her last name griffin but what are they called the um shit i'm gonna not remember right now but you know what i mean the only black family that we've been following all season (laughs) so you see that evie is the alpha amongst these three i expected more of a conflict and maybe that will arise next season we did not see any of the other parents which i thought was a weak point of the series because it only zoned in on evie but i understand why it related directly to the garveys but it would have been at least a little respectful to show that the other parents were trying just as hard because the other two felt like throwaways and maybe they are just to show just how domineering evie's character is but she totally looked like she made a mistake the one on the right (laughs) evie then turns around and catches eyes with kevin after they set up the car put their stuff in there their cell phones and he is in the middle of the lake holding a cinder block So it definitely happened. <laughs> Kevin tried to kill himself. They all watch him jump in. And after a very brief pause, walk away. I thought we were going to follow the girls some more. I like that we didn't. And the shot remains on the ripple effect that Kevin made jumping into the pond. Then there is a quake that ruptures the lake, transition to Kevin escaping from the ground during another said quake and there is definitely no debating the fact that kevin has died not once not twice we're gonna find out a little bit later (laughs) but at this point twice he's died and come back because i can't believe he would have like well I guess he could have jumped in and he may have not been completely dead what's up with the significance of the quakes because the one at the end of this episode i would i accounted for everything else except for that one and now i want to know what that last quake was for and who it signified coming either back from the yeah it had to be back from life that's where it seems to be occurring and then who or what on october 14th since no one in the town disappeared what was that quake about then we also had the quake that was also uh in the beginning of the season where she was the lone survivor i don't know there's a correlation there that i will look forward into investigating and maybe they will save for season three kevin can't die like that guy in australia though 
who emerged from the cave some episodes ago remember he was on the news and we all know that his father as well is in australia so i think it's fine to say this statement kevin is immortal what what the fuck how and like why does it even matter is this just something kevin inherited once he came to this i cannot grasp this concept but it's thrown out there because kevin had been dead eight hours michael lets him know he gives him a blanket too because he's shivering and something to drink michael likely was told by his granddad like hey we're about to do this thing and he probably said you know i trust you granddad but at the same time you're gonna kill yourself and you want me to watch over this man in his grave what this sounds like it's crazy but at the same time i'm gonna have faith in it happening but he still was surprised that it happened which explains the oh shit and he just followed what his grandfather instructed him to do he said he told me to bury you he's calmly marveling at the fact that patty is gone and that it actually worked and that virgil did indeed help kevin like he stated he would and it all was truth kevin offers condolences and i need everybody in this show to stop acting like virgil was not a pedophile and most likely molested erica and evie i'm still sticking with that narrative i think all of my facts point there more accurately and also explains why john was in the position he was at the end of the episode but yeah offering of the condolences i want to say i mean i get where kevin's coming from like clearly this kid cared about him but michael himself is he's an odd duck he then asks if he saw evie there in his hotel room uh where not in his hotel room you know what i mean in the hotel that they were staying at or where he was at and he says no but he did see her somewhere else and that i need to talk to your dad who is very volatile john still hasn't opened the birthday gift in the morning and has been staring at it he's also been drinking she asks if he is going to church he says why would we go to church she says it's october 14th we need to remember the anniversary and he says he does not want to remember i think this is very much a thing with john he is not confronting exactly what his past is he has taken on the responsibility of what happened to his wife and possibly well i don't even think that anyone knew about the daughter until this episode that's what i think she dropped on her mom but what happened to his wife he's very much i don't know he's taking an an ownership there now there's this theory out there and i just happened to see it because i was listening to bald or hear it because i was listening to bald move that virgil may have been the father of these children i'm not seeing that 
I hope to God that's not true, but I'm, it don't need to get any darker than it's already gotten. And we definitely know incest was involved. I think that's enough. We don't have to pile on the extra, oh, these are not even John's children. They are a result of incest. I'm just going to, I'm going to stay away from that and just say that John feels a certain guilt for what he could not control but that it stems from another place and I don't think that we've explored John's character enough or at least his backstory before the departure to truly understand where that comes from and I think Matt um, brought it up earlier like something went wrong with you I don't know what it is but it was and it's a theme this season too because the same thing with Meg there was something broken about you before October 14th so because of that and I think the same thing with Kevin like he always wanted to leave his family that was before the departure happened and then you have after the departure happened there seems to be a dichotomy shift on people's mindsets either they you know go into this extremist um path or they are finding some redemption as in the case with kevin so erica says why don't you just open the damn present he says i will open the present when i want to she says you open it or i will and the present is revealed to be the cricket that john was searching for which is the best gift ever and he of course is amused like oh she found it she did this thing for me and erica seeing the cricket in the box and i love how this reflects later on the deceitfulness of their child who is well on her way to becoming a psychopath then no she's emotional because she knows that her her daughter faked this like the night that you and michael disappeared i heard that damn cricket chirping all damn night and we did hear it in that scene remember she was sitting at the dining table so that was to let us know evie was good at deception if it served her purpose but also her mother understands why she deceived her father saying she gave this to you the night that she disappeared because she knows that you would not let it go and the way she says it as if to say it's what got us to you going to jail to you missing out on so much of your children's life and what did it accomplish all it did was deprive a child a five-year-old girl of not only the last protector in her life her her pillar because it felt as if she did that the loss of her father definitely created a a hole in her that was not going to be fulfilled at any point in time because that once that time's gone it's gone and to find out that it was on top of what she already lost from another person that was a a male figure in her life it's a lot for evie for what she may have been going through and this idea because um 
they were talking about john before even in the first episode and how you know he's walking around town like he's the fucking sheriff and apparently the town lets him and they never explained that it's a continuous issue with john's the reason why he's been printing everyone even though he said it's a waste of time i i hated that the guy came and said oh by the way you were right just you know why wouldn't you be printing the card though that that's a weird (laughs) anyhow he looks at his wife and he says fuck you erica and that definitely was the last straw in their marriage now this was the beginning of the lip trembling in this episode there was so much lip trembling i could have turned it into a drinking game and been significantly drunk so many people were quivering that lip that i started to to lose the emotional impact of it because i was just like i understand when we cry there's an emotion but we don't everyone did the same thing like There's a knock on the door. Deputies coming with news. John's not crazy. They have found a clue. And it points to the neighbor, Kevin, that they need to speak with. But before they speak with Kevin, because that's who really they should have went to first instead of John's door. Uh, John's allowed to retrieve his gun from a lockbox. What kind of fucking safety is that? my dude seriously just spend the money on a damn safe and is allowed to do the questioning or the lead to walk up to kevin's door knocking on it talking about where your daddy at Lori answers and she's like well hello there he's like who the hell are you like how many people live here she's like i'm Lori garvey you know because i'm gonna st- well i guess if it's not your legal well you should have taken did she keep the last name did she just decide to keep the last name i could see people doing that she's like uh kevin's gone don't know when he's gonna be back jill's like what's going on and john asks well is your father really gonna come back and she's like why are you getting smart with me and then Lori's like well why don't you just ask him yourself because there's michael and john rolling up <laughs> and kevin immediately surrenders he's like yeah i already knew this was coming and says you guys stay here i will clear this up in a neutral place how is the fucking kennel a neutral place sirs how do y'all let this man just be in a, in a room alone with a suspect he should lose all respect in this town after the fact especially after the stunt his child and those other children pulled particularly his child michael is just standing there piddling and he tells his father after he asks, what are you doing with him listen to what he has to say then ignores jill and goes home to speak with his mother and finally we got the confirmation that i'm not crazy which is why i follow my own gusts and instincts that this is indeed erica's dad virgil was erica's dad i can't believe that he's close with his mother's molester it's he assisted a murder or attempted murder suicide watched a a body be buried or buried a body i should say because he covered it up didn't even tell the mom what happened 
didn't say one fucking word and i was like john is going to flip when he realizes that his son like i didn't think after those words were said that kevin was coming out that room alive but i still was shocked by what he did do i mean i guess not not when he got the gun i was like yeah kevin's probably gonna get shot there is a lot to accept especially i mean i think if he find out or he finds out that evie was molested as well i think that would be the end of john and he don't even have virgil there to 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 take his rage out on what do you do and your son is just something you cannot understand y'all have a whole different philosophy on life and while i think erica can forgive her child because it's your child i don't think john can and i think that may be explored in season three she says i told you not to go there anymore he says he won't he asks if she's going to church and he goes in and gets changed because he's going to go with her then she catches Lori and jill ear hustling like a motherfucker on that porch i was like damn y'all wasn't even trying to pretend like y'all should sweep something anything i ear hustle too but i don't be that damn (laughs) inconspicuous about it but i love regina king's reaction to this erica just waving like another white woman like how many Lori, I didn't like this whole entire, this was one of the things that did not work for me. Lori coming in to say, Jill, you need to talk to me. And she's like, do I? Because I don't think I have to. And she says, well, your dad asked me to stay and help. I just came here looking for your brother. And you know that your dad is fucked up. You know, I'm also a psychiatrist. And if he asked me to stay, he's clearly acknowledging that he's fucked up. And that's the situation in which we find ourselves. I did not like the half smirk that was playing on Lori's face the entire time. Why, don't make that half smile. You really abandoned your child <laughs> at the time she needed her most granted. I 100% get why she did it. And I think they put that in this episode too. The idea of another child does not replace another child. You still feel the loss even if you can love another one. And it is one of those devastating things. And then that guilt she feels on how she completely lost her shit. Now she has to come back and deal and repair that damage. But that's not an easy fucking road. But I still (laughs) just thought the acting was subpar in this scene if uh the actress that plays jill's eyes got any wider that's i mean it's one-on-one look at my beautiful eyes with all the tears in it versus seeing actual emotion come off of them or the chemistry in the scene i don't know i found it more interesting when Lori got into nora's bed and started playing with the Lori's batshit crazy and I like Lori and her batshit craziness but I do feel she's one of those people that is just here for this life she's ruined everything the best thing she could do is try to pick up the pieces and start something anew in the hopes of one day making it whole but girl you asking a whole lot to start it in 24 hours 
at Matt's shack, Mary is being willed in by Nora. She's trying to feed her. Lily's crying. She needs to change her as well. Keeps getting cuter by the moment. And is listening to the radio where people are recounting their October 14th stories. And she's listening to one about a man and his wife lost a 14-month child and that his wife left him because he wants to start over with another baby, but the wife does not. And the host says, well, the mechanism in us to love is broken. It was broken in all of us on October 14th and it can't be fixed with a new baby but it can be fixed with Jesus. <clears throat> Bullshit. That man really did call him the OG departure. And while I don't not share the sentiment of that's some bullshit. <laughs> I feel Nora has become season one Kevin for me. I'm having a hard time relating to her this year. She feels like an angry outburst and I don't not have the same amount of empathy for her children because it's completely right like on this day she should be recalling the fact that I gave birth to three not one not two well yeah it is two two children that disappeared I will never see again you are allowed to mourn that even four years later and I think it would have been healthier for her to try to get those feelings I don't know I just I wasn't feeling Nora this year that's all she's been doing is uh manipulative denying her pain acting out but in a way that's not charming or a way in which I cannot empathize I knew immediately that Mary was gonna wake up I could feel it As soon as the quake was happening, I don't know who was crossing over at this point, but I'm just going to assume that it was Mary because she woke up right after. And I just know at some point she needs to leave Matt. That unawareness that she had was not healthy. And I don't care about what she said earlier. Do you remember the night we had sex? Of course I do. That and her not knowing that she is sitting in a room with uh Nora and that Nora has been taking care of her and she supposedly had these conversations with Matt something is missing there and that's why I still will not support ship or like any of it like when Matt was sitting next to her and, and grinning ear to ear I just wanted to punch him in the fucking face and then we got that beautiful chocolate Lily who is not trying to deal with this white woman's coddling because she has been crying the entire episode. Like, all of these people, can you please give me to someone that looks like me so I can relate? I wonder if other black babies feel this way or is it just... I bet you they don't because babies don't see color. This is very true. Nora takes her to Matt immediately who did not inform... uh, Matt or Nora did not inform... Mary that she was pregnant and Matt said she must stay in miracle she doesn't remember having that conversation so I'm gonna definitely confirm that as a delusion and I think Matt is convinced that if they stay in miracle because she got pregnant in miracle after they never could have a baby of course he's going oh he just reminds me of someone I know and 
I despise them. Everything is a miracle. Everything is a sign. Everything points to whatever philosophy, uh, whatever evidence needs to support their thesis. That's why I can't stand them. I have to accept that she apparently loves them, though. A lady holding a naked baby doll yells at Nora saying, where'd you steal that baby? Because that's not your baby. Tom is in the camp as well, outside of the National Park, and spots both Nora and baby Lily. Wasn't sure if he recognized either, but he did, apparently. And he's there with Meg Steele, who knows exactly uh, Nora's relationship to him and his father. And she says she sprayed her down with a hose once and she liked her. Then she asks if he is afraid for his family and lost puppy that he is says there is no family because he thinks it's the right answer. And she tells him with a kiss on the cheek that family is everything. And then says, and here we go. Tommy, man, I feel so bad for him. He's just someone who cannot escape a continuous feeling of abandonment and pain. And it has been haunting him since he was a child. Uh, first by his father. Then he found a new family. But I'm sure he's not stupid. So he knows that his, his new father wanted to abandon him. And then after October 14th, his mother did abandon him. He tried to kill himself. God abandoned him. He joined Holy Wayne. <laughs> Didn't even continue to follow him. Or he didn't believe anymore in his philosophy, but continued to follow him. Because even when they abandon him, he still stays. Or however he's treated or manipulated, he, he's, he's an abuse victim. And that's so sad. I hope they go a little bit more into Tommy next year. Because to reflect. And she says, well, why the hell would they reflect? They did not lose shit. They tell her to turn her car around. And she says, well, how about 35 pounds of plastic explosives before driving her truck onto the bridge? When she's on the bridge, she tosses the keys. They tell her to get on the ground. She does. And as soon as she surrenders, uh, the girls reveal themselves all in white and that smile. Kevin reveals to John and the kennel. First he says, which one's your dog? And he says, that's not why we're here. It's like, no, it's exactly why we're here. It's because I want to give you your dog. What the fuck are you talking about, John? Kevin says, look, I saw her. She staged her departure. And I don't know where she is, but I saw her do it. And John's like, so you just now telling me? There seems to be a camaraderie here between them. And I think it just started by the fact that Kevin was ride or die in what happened to... <laughs> Isaac I think once they they had that night of crime they're like we're blood brothers for life or maybe they just see a, a lot of each other because they do they're 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 on the same wavelength of character right uh if we had to compare the Garveys you would say Evie's uh the Lori uh she joined the GR then you have Michael she'd be more like the Jill um or or actually i think michael's probably more like tommy especially when he got up at the pulpit a little bit later looks like he's hiding some deep things then you you have 
Nora, definitely, uh, with Erica. And yeah, Kevin would be John in this case and scenario. Except John is becoming Kevin from season one, or he's at the place where Kevin was in season one. And Kevin's like, okay, yeah, I just got over that stage. So I'm like, you're perfect mentor right now. <laughs> so John says, well, you're just now telling me this. He's like, yeah, I kind of have this problem where I sleepwalk. He didn't say that. And he says, your your son said he could help me. He took me to uh, his grandfather, Virgil. And he's like, no, my son would not do that. And I knew John would snap at this uh, point because to be fair it's a lot then kevin mentions what virgil did to him because he says prove that you went out to see virgil or that y'all been involved or whatever the case may be but he says yeah i know what he did and apologizes and he says well you don't know what the fuck he did to me and i'm like jesus kevin the way you're so casually and maybe i don't know <laughs> kevin was I, I get where he was coming from like i'm gonna tell you the truth but you're also acting as if you don't recognize that this is a volatile person with a lot of anger issues just like you are just because you have namaste does not mean he is in the same place to namaste and you're also alone in a kennel with this dude who looks mentally unwell do you see how big his eyes got once he mentioned Virgil and he says I don't know why Evie would do this to her family uh because he wants Kevin to come up with the with the reason like if what you're saying is true and you want me to believe this that you died and came back to life (laughs) and that's how you remember that my daughter staged this why would she do this to us and ever so casually kevin's gonna say well maybe she doesn't love you anymore and then that was enough for john and he shoots him <laughs> that's awful that's awful and this is where i met with john he killed kevin and walked out of that room and i know a lot was going on after that fact but there was no guilt there well there was a little bit later (laughs) after he realized what he did and he could sink with the moment because you could see there was uh like shock but i think in his mind it was the the only response he could give and it was such the a visceral truth that the person who delivered it the messenger had to be killed (laughs) and that's that's what happened then once he leaves he is immediately told john you gotta we gotta go it's your daughter there's chaos and mayhem unfolding all around him and then he runs around the corner spots his child is so happy to see her and completely uncomprehending of the duplicitous nature of her actions and he is held back by the patrol people like we have a code blue which means explosives i believe uh they said there's a bomb and the three girls are just standing there smoking and evie writes one hour and parades it before everyone and they start the clock and this is going to be before they blow up the bridge and you have matt in the crowd seeing this and why is his first words oh no we won't be able to get back in
at church they're singing the miracle national anthem everyone is happy listening to the preacher talk about how they are spared michael is sitting there with the truth of evie's non-departure and is starting to get distressed mom notices and then he stands up and takes the pulpit to tell everyone about a story that his mom has told often about the time she went up the steps and was accosted by a flood of water because the bathtub uh, had been flooded with both twins inside and evie copped to it saying she did it to see what would happen it's a familiar tale that everyone thinks it's funny but he says that's not the truth he confesses to his mom that he was the one that turned on the water because evie was crying so loud that he did uh didn't want mom to hear it and that she didn't understand why dad was gone and he admitted that he was so fed up with hearing her crying that he wanted to drown it out and i think this is him acknowledging after her after knowing what she did that i ignored her pain like look at all what he did for virgil the man who was the perpetrator of such pain and yet the victims of of that same type of or with their with our own emotions he and that's his own twin he gave no shits for or not he didn't give no shits for he chose to be selfish and not accept any uh acknowledgement of it and then i'm thinking if this is when they're five years old dad had already went to jail for trying to kill virgil virgil would not have had any equipment at this time uh and if this was five years old and we go back to the end i think this is why evie is so far gone because this was almost like the the thing she had to hold on to had also abandoned her and it created this rage he points out that people disappeared before and after october 14th and that we are not spared despite being the 9261 and i think that that is another added development on top of like this horrible thing has happened to this family within this family and a horrible thing has happened to evie in particular and yet for the last four years continuously she's been told she's blessed everyone in this town is blessed everyone in this town is spared everyone in this town is special they've made this a place of worship and yet there's so much ugliness there but it will continue to be unacknowledged unseen unblemished uncontaminated and yeah i could definitely see a building rage for someone who is already quietly suffering from several losses john comes to get his wife from church it also reminds me too of why she connects with meg because no one sees her loss everyone sees the other you know departed and have completely 
disregarded her pain as off as insignificant. Uh, John's wife, Erica, will not be denied her child and bum rushes the barricade. And she begins to try to communicate with her daughter. I love the, her running across the bridge, the shot of it, the silent action, the music was killing me, man, causing mist to come up, especially because fucking Regina King's acting is so good. And she's begging Evie to talk to her anyway, if not, you know, by... Uh, communication by at least sign language and it's just so sad and then you have nora peeking through her fucking (laughs) i understand i'd be watching too but she's watching uh through the the blinkers and the lady with the baby baby doll comes over to harass her more about the fact that that's not your baby and she tells her to shut the fuck up Erica tries to force Evie to leave the bridge, but she won't budge and she wants to know what she is up to. Like what she's trying to talk to the other girls as well, but no one is responding to her. As the clock strikes down, the camp begins to strip and you realize that they are all GR. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Get ready for this. Oh shit! as violent as meg's plan was um it was actually rather genius considering how much actual violence took place not a lot goes back to what she did the psychological trauma like that she's not trying to physically break something down even though there was that her game is to psychologically break people down from the illusion that they're creating for themselves matt watches everything unfold john yells for them to get off the bridge because it looks like it's about to explode erica says she will not leave her daughter even in death she ends up uh preparing to die then goes into the trailer and comes out to yell that it is empty and then when the clock went down did you hear that guy was like it's zero some of the background commentary be so funny so funny like why'd you need a nice it's zero man can you believe that it's zero matt sees it as well um he sees that they're all heading to the bridge and that the people are following and he realizes this is their chance to get the fuck back in again the people in the back if they go and i'm going to shit <laughs> those were the exact words i heard and they end up stampeding the gate cut the locks erica asks why why are you doing all this i don't understand that is enough to finally get evie to look at her mother and she writes you understand before walking away and i think this is the first time that evie has acknowledged to her mother or told her mother in a way like me too it happened to me too and the way that you saw erica react to it i can't help but think this is exactly the the communication that occurred was her saying yeah you know you understand this feeling you understand when it escaped this place you understand being stuck here trapped with the pain of everything that happened to you and not being able to escape it seeing that man fucking 10 miles out of fucking town uh yeah knowing he's around not getting any justice 
you understand everything that I'm feeling. Even if you were in some ways able to overcome it, you still want to leave. The only thing that held you back was your love of your children. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Because she said, Michael will be fine. Evie's the one she worries about. And Evie's like, I've chosen what I wish to do. And, And just powerful. Matt is running off with fucking Nora or Mary can't even wait for his sister for five seconds because she's like wait Matt wait and he ain't even look back I'm not forgetting um that he also knew that Meg planned something and did not say shit Nora is really slow moving though (laughs) girl get your ass in gear you know shit is popping off and you sitting there like let me casually grab my diaper bag talking about Matt way then some uh the crazy lady <laughs> snatches Lily out of her hands Wow, I knew this lady was going to be a problem. I did not think she was going to do this. I was like, what the hell? And then Nora gives chase and she's panicking, but there's no sense of urgency here. Let that have been me. You could not. I mean, I understand. I keep trying to be nice and, you know, you always say you're going to do something when you ain't there and you ain't in the moment. But fuck that. Nah everybody would i would have turned into the fucking hulk my baby has just been taken from me you best believe that bitch would have been (laughs) running for her life because if i i'm catching you not if i catch you i'm catching you and i'm not sure why she took the baby for her from her just to leave her abandoned on the bridge that just makes no fucking sense i mean it's just bullshit fuck oh my also supposed to believe that these people like i can understand the gr and maybe ignoring the baby that's their whole thing but there were actual people in that crowd that were chilling all of them just going to ignore the baby too again why would she just leave the baby in the middle i would have liked to see better if she had been like knocked out or something and the baby was abandoned and like it was a good thing Nora, this was so contrived just to have Tommy rescue her when she should not even need to be rescued. Why are you laying down in front of the fucking child? It's not like it's a million people. I saw so much room for you to get up. <laughs> I did not like this scene at all. Kevin wakes back at the ho- back up at the hotel in a tub of water, naked, and I love when he gets out <laughs> and he screams, "Mother, mother!" fucker and then the dramatic music comes on he ain't got no guide no dad he ain't got shit this time he has no idea how to wake himself back up or get out and he finally gives in and chooses a uniform it's the mapleton chief of police who he really is he gets a call from the lobby bar that there is another officer being attacked yet when he gets downstairs it's rather chill just the guy from the bridge that we don't know what he whispered in kevin's ear yet offering him a spin of the wheel kevin's like fuck this i need to go back to my family i deserve to go back more than anybody because i love my family and i learned my lesson and he says well all you have to do is sing 
what it is, but I'm not one to like people sing. I don't like karaoke in TV shows. I, I mean, it's a rare thing. They did it with Macy in Charmed, and because I like the actress, I was fine with it. But everyone who knows me knows I am not down with singing and drama. So I didn't like this at all. But he comes back to life. And he is still gushing blood. The bullet went right through him. And I was like, is that his dog? Yeah, it is his dog. And it was kind of sweet when he kissed him. It was like, thank you for waiting for me. It's night. He comes outside. And it's Mapleton all over again. Except that instead of the GR headquarters, it's the Welcome to Jarden sign that's on fire. And then... <laughs> The newly released dog, when he's about to head in the garden, looks at Kevin when he's trying to uh, get him to come with him. Like, come on, boy. Turns the other way. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right, then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'm gonna get the fuck up out of here. This shit, I'm out. Is there a significance to the dog leaving? I don't know. Maybe uh, Kevin doesn't need the dog anymore because the dog was just like him, unruly beast that you tamed. I don't know. There was a theme going on with the dog season one, but <laughs> I did laugh. Or maybe he's just like, you know what? You've changed. I don't think I want to go with you anymore. He then goes to the visitor center and I know he has to be like, how do I always turn around? And there's the GR runs into Meg who asks, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And it's Kevin who gets the line. I live here now. Meg is like, oh, if that's true, then you shall hear me sing your national anthem. And you have Evie joining in as they mock Kevin out of the room looking like crazy people Garvey grabs his grabs a nightstick heads into town where it's being trashed looted burn turn into a rave crosses are being erected <laughs> the pillar man is still up there he's like I don't know what's going on but I guess I'm not the only uh man up on a cross or a pedestal around here <laughs> And we never really got his story, but he was communicating with someone in Australia. Was it the guy? Are we going to get more of him next season? Not sure. But yeah, it feels like this is kind of like it reminds me of all the people sacking a holy land. Like you, you have to contaminate it. I feel like that's what what Meg is doing. Contaminate, sack the holy city of your enemy to destroy their idealisms so he is still bleeding and heads to erica's clinic he needs first second and third aid (laughs) apparently they do not lock up shit and he is just about to pass out trying to put some gauze on him when john comes in and sees him startles and kevin's like hey john just ever so cool and John's like, I killed you. And it's almost funny. He's just like, nope. 
didn't do it i told you he's then like dude um what happened he's like bruh it went through me like he's looking at the wound he's like i know he's like but you should have bled out he's like crazy right because you know i am bleeding more on the outside like there's more blood on the outside than than in me because at least half a liter on that damn wall and then he what's all that dabbing you doing supposed to do where is the professionals what (laughs) i don't know how you fix this type of wound i just know it wasn't how they neither person was doing it he's immortal who gives a shit but still uh it was gross watching him because all that squishy noise i don't like that and john starts crying because why would you not start crying at this moment (laughs) kevin's got snot on him he don't give a shit he's just staring in his eyes like bruh i've seen some shit (laughs) that's all you need to know and you're my best friend right now so we're on a whole different level of bro and then john says i don't understand what is happening and Kevin's like, me neither, but I'm further along than you. <laughs> I don't know what this song it was that was playing, but I liked it. I heard it in Westworld. And Kevin's basically like, welcome to my crazy life. Uh, you'd fit right in. You and my my ex-GR wife. And also, you know, she murdered some folks too. Don't worry. We, we've got uh, criminals in the house. Tommy! wanted by the fbi (laughs) he's got blood on his shoulders on his hands too (laughs) oh i didn't think that kevin's family could be more ghetto than fucking john's but it is an arm in arm attempted murderer and victim head home and ain't even worried about them riots kevin gonna take care of that tomorrow he's like yeah and once they get to kevin's home he's like uh kevin what if nobody's in my house and kevin says then you'll come over my house because i told you we best friends we brothers now uh there's a quake as he after he watches john go into his house is erica there i don't think so i don't think michael's there either well michael could be there easy sure shit ain't and when kevin walks in after the quake all the people that he loved is there and that's how he ends the episode and he deserved that i think he really earned that moment (laughs) i think this is the case where john's gonna walk in and he's not gonna have that and he needs to go uh he needs to build back up to wherever kevin went with this because yeah erica already was wanting it was one foot in one foot out and now that evie the one that she's worried the most about is uh on this whole other thing i think she's definitely gone uh grabbed her money and and dipped so i'm interested to see what happens next season it's gonna be uh quite the journey with kevin's immortality how's that gonna happen don't let matt hear that news lord jesus he gonna start a cult around it that's just a guess i don't know don't tell me (laughs) but that seems like a really good guess if you want to send feedback for the next season of the leftovers you can send that to blackgirlcouch at gmail.com you can send it via email or you can send it in audio format 
My social medias will be below. Remember to like, share, subscribe. And if you have time, run over to iTunes, leave a review or rate the podcast. You can find Black Girl Couch Reviews on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever good podcasts can be found. And now on Amazon Music. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, Black Girl Magic.